This is a shear on Likut Sichas, Chelik Tazai, the sixteenth book, second Sicha Purim based, second Sicha of Purim. On the pasuk that it says that they uh, confirmed the end of the Megillah, the pasuk Kimu vekiblu Yehudim, the Jews confirmed and accepted upon themselves. What did they accept? So our sages tell us, the Gemara tells us, Kimu mashikiblu kvar. They confirmed that which they had already previously accepted. When had they accepted it? At the giving of the Torah at Sinai. At the giving of the Torah at Sinai, the Gemara tells us there that the fact that Hashem placed a mountain over them like a barrel, which we explain according to Hasidus, means that Hashem shone His love on them to such an extent that they were, it was impossible for them to say no. You know, when, when there's such an outpouring of love, the reciprocal love, that they felt for Hashem was that they said, yes, of course, we accept everything that you say. Nasev and Ishma will do everything you say. But the Gemara that points out, that's already a disclaimer. If Hashem ever comes and says, hey, you guys accepted the Torah, why aren't you fulfilling it? They can say, look, we didn't have a choice. There was, we were in a, in a position where we, there was no way we could have not accepted it. However, now at the time of Purim, says the Gemara, that is cancelled out. They cannot say, you know, we accepted it uh, without choice because it says that in the time of Purim, they accepted it. In the time of Achashverosh, they accepted what they had already, they confirmed what they had accepted back then. And this was a confirmation. No longer can they say, we didn't have a choice, it was uh, too much uh, love from Hashem's side and we, we just couldn't resist. No. We understand this um, to mean, by the way, according to Chassidus, uh, great Chiddush of the Alter Rebbe, the Jewish people, the entire year, when they were waiting, from when the decree was that the Jews would be killed, it said that um, if they would have, the Alter Rebbe says that if they would have chosen to become non-Jewish, to convert out, they would have, um, they actually would have been saved. So they were in a time of duress and they accepted upon themselves to willingly accept the Torah. That was confirmation that what they had then received through so much love that Hashem poured out on them, now they were owning, they had ownership on it, so to speak. They were accepting that from a place of duress. They were sacrificing for it, and therefore it really confirmed what they had then received. This was full confirmation. However, we understand that what the Yidden accepted then the Torah from their own volition, that's a, that's a, it's a, it's a main thing, it's a, it's a very fundamental thing. So it's not understood why is there nothing telling us about Purim to remind us about the fact, why isn't there any special remembrance on Purim, any special mitzvah, any special custom that reminds us about, that, about this great thing, this, this central thing that they, at the time of Achashverosh, they furthermore, they confirmed what they accepted at Sinai. Says the Rebbe in paragraph 3, even though the fact that they accepted upon themselves voluntarily, the Torah at the time of Achashverosh. So Rashi and Teisvis point out there it's because of the love of the miracle that Hashem did to them. So really you could say, okay, it's uh, what I just explained to you is what the Alter Rebbe says. doesn't seem, you don't see that clearly in Rashi and Teisvis. It seems that this too was out of an outpouring of love. Hashem made them an immense miracle and after the miracle, as it says it at the end of the Megillah, after the miracle they said, Hashem, we love you. We're going to confirm the acceptance of the Torah. So, Perhaps it loses some of its uh, incredulousness, its, its incredible power when you explain it in the way the Al-Tareb explains it. 
that they were in a state of sacrifice for a full year, and that's when they really accepted the Torah upon themselves, that makes it a totally different experience. However, says the Rebbe, really, in the Pashtun Pshat, they accepted it after the miracle. So maybe it's not such an unbelievable thing, but still in all, says the Rebbe. It's difficult to say that there shouldn't even be a remembrance. This is actually a fundamental thing. The, the Megillah does point out that they conferred, but they accepted. In other words, this is stage two. This is a culminative stage. This is the, 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 the fulfillment of what they had accepted at the time of, at the time of uh, Teira. There shouldn't be any relation. There shouldn't be any remembrance to it. Uh, interesting that Rebbe quotes in the Ha'orah that there's a Megillah Storim. This is from a Rabbi Yaakov of Lissa. Who um, was it, Rabbi Yaakov of Lissa? One second, who wrote the Megillah Storim? Um, to be honest, I didn't remember. Uh, Megillah Storim, whatever it is, there, there's a Pirush called Megillah Storim. Um, yeah, the, of the Rav of Lissa. He's the author of the Nesivas Hamishpat, on Hamishpat. And he says that he does put it into the, into the, into the narrative here. Uh, that uh, that the Mordechai was thought that the main myomtaf here is the fact that the Bnei Yisrael accepted upon themselves the Torah in a com- in a complete way. So there shouldn't be any remembrance to this. I'll be honest here. I, I I've I've inserted a little bit of interpretation perhaps into this third paragraph of the Sicha, and I just found it. Uh, not sure what the Rebbe was was saying, but okay. Anyway, the question. The question is very clear. Such a fundamental thing. This is the kimul v'kiblu. This is confirming what they had then accepted. This should be, it should feature in the mitzvahs of Purim, in the remembrance and the celebration of Purim. Base. We could say that Adarab, on the contrary, this is actually brought out in all of the mitzvahs of Purim. First of all, the reading of the Megillah, the Kshalach Manas, and the giving gifts, gifts to friends, of food, and the giving of money gifts to the poor. Why? Because in all of these mitzvahs, the Rebbe is going to say, there is something that's different than any of the other Yom Tevim. You know, there's something different here. This is, this is showing how they did more than was previously demanded according to their acceptance of Torah. Why in these three mitzvahs is this going to be expressed? Because these three mitzvahs are different than anything we do on any other Yom Tev. Let's say, reading the Torah, we do on Purim, but we do it on other Yom Tovs. Saying Val Anissim, that we say, we thank Hashem for the miracles in davening and in, in benching, and the fact that we're not allowed to eulogize, not allowed to fast, the fact that we have a meal. All the other Yom Tovs have the same thing. We have meals, we read the Torah, you're not allowed to fast, not allowed to eulogize. We say halal, right? Those are things that are generic to Yom Tov. But the things that are unique to Purim are the Mishleach Manas and Matanus and reading the Megillah. So in all of those three things, we actually see a, a, an expression of this confirmation that they received the Torah at the time of Purim. What do we mean? Because first of all, you have to understand when somebody does something because he's forced, and then later he does something because he accepts upon himself willingly. And let's 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 face it. I I I we I learned the beginning of the sicha according to the way Chassidus teaches us. Kafa aleim harkegigis Hashem. Uh, shone his love on them. But maybe the Rebbe was just saying in the simple pshat, let's not go there to, to, to the chassidus, in the simple pshat, it says Hashem forced them. There is a disclaimer that says, hello, Hashem, you forced us to receive upon ourselves the Nasa Venishma. 
That's why we said Nasa Nishma. By Purim, there was the love of the miracle, but Hashem didn't force them to take anything upon themselves. They were so in love with Hashem because of the miracle, they says, you know, we really want to recommit ourselves to this. That's Pashup Shah. And the Rebbe, I guess, is asking, the Shaila based on Pashup Shah. So based on Pashup Shah, what's the difference if you're forced into something? And if you do something willingly, when you're forced into something, so then you do it as much as necessary to fulfill your obligation. You, you, you don't look to do one ounce more than you have to. You're forced, and you understand there's a superpower that's forcing you to do it. You do your obligation. However, when you do something with your own, of your own volition, when you have your own desire and, and, and wish to do it, so then you don't suffice it to do just as much as is obligatory. You try and do more. Try and do better. Because this is something that you have vested interest into. Do more than your obligation. And this is expressed in the fact that B'nai Yisrael accepted upon themselves. They confirmed that what they had received before they are now accepting upon themselves out of their will. And we see, we see the expression of that in all three mitzvahs. Because on the one hand, these three mitzvahs are not totally new things. On the other hand, they're all additions to all additions to, to, to things that exist already beforehand. For example, reading the Megillah is not a chiddush, not like we don't read things in the shul. We have the 24 books of Torah and Vim Ksumi reading the shul, but by the Megillah there is an addition. What's the, the addition? First of all, there's an extra book added to the holy books, and that's through a, a request from Esther who says, I want this written down for generations. And this becomes from the written miracles. Many miracles happened um, the miracle of Hanukkah, for example, doesn't make it into the holy writings. But this becomes one of the kisuvim, one of the writings of the, the 24 holy books. Um, and then, at least it becomes at the end of kisuvim, right? And then, uh, similarly, we read it. We read it at night. So you see, we have Torah reading on Yom Tov, but to read it at night... And then, again a day, and to read it from a parchment just talking about this miracle, in order to publicize the miracle, this is, this is a, a, something that we don't have by the other holidays. So it's something that exists, read the Torah and read about the miracle, but here it gets an upgrade, which fits with the theme that when you do something of voluntary nature, you do it even better or more. Same thing with Mishleach Manas. In the book of Manes Salevi, this is to, to the Rabbi Shlomo Alkebetz, the author of the famous hymn, famous song, Piyot, of L'chadoidi that we sing every Shabbos. So he has a pierce on the Megillah. And he said, what's the purpose of Mishleach Manes, sending food gifts to each other, is in order to enhance peace and camaraderie between one Jew and the other. And there's a general mitzvah all days of the year. Obviously, it's not something new to Purim. It's a big... We know it's a klal god of a Torah. It's one of the central tenets of the Torah to love your fellow. But the mitzvah of Avisar Allah, loving your fellow Jew, there's no obligation. You have to look for another Jew to do this mitzvah after Echkomeichel. The Chiddush of Mishlech one says, on Purim, you have to find another Jew to send him food gifts to do Avisar Allah to. And it has to be in a way that, that that can be used right away. It's not, you can't, for Mishlech one is for food gifts. You can't give money. You have to give food that can be used right away. So in other words, you have to see to actualize that you have to look for a way to do an actual after the Similarly, giving gifts to the poor. The tzedakah is a mitzvah all year. But on Purim comes the additional mitzvah. It's not enough that if you bumped into a poor person, you have to help him. Here the mitzvah is 
And there's a, two mitzvahs when you bump into a poor person. Open up your hand and give him. Here there's a mitzvah to find him. Not just one poor person. You have to find two poor people and give them gifts, monetary gifts. And this is also emphasized in the words that the Jewish people confirmed what they had already accepted. These are things they already accepted. They're already obligated in them. And they do them. Purim, there becomes a confirmation. In other words, they ratify, they confirm, they strengthen. And there's two aspects here. Between Mitzvahs have two spheres. Between Hashem, between us and Hashem, between us and others, our friends. So in both spheres, we have this confirmation and strengthening, doing beyond what was already obligated. In Torah, writing and reading the Megillah. And thus, we're giving more thanks to Hashem, because we know the reading of the Megillah is like the halal that we do in other Yom Tov. And we do this, so this is something additional we do even more than any other Yom Tov. We have to read with a cloth and publicize the miracle by night and by day. And also, we have an upgrade in the mitzvahs between each other. What's the upgrade there? That we look to do and we look to do tzedakah even when usually we wouldn't be obligated because we didn't bump into the person. So here we have the Rebbe said, actually, in all three mitzvahs, we see that this concept that now they're doing it voluntarily and beyond what's required expresses itself in, the whole, in all three mitzvahs. It's doing more than previously was the, uh, required in the Torah. Gimel. However, we could ask for Mishlech, that's not the only reason that's given. There's other reasons that are given. By, by giving gifts of food, it says that the reason is, no, there should be enough to have for the Suda. You need to have a meal. And the Gemara says a story about Abaya, the son of Ovin, and Chanina, the son of Ovin, that they would exchange their meals with each other, and in this way they would do the Mishleach Monas. In other words, you have to have a meal and pour in for the celebration. What happens if somebody doesn't have? So by giving gifts of food, you make sure everybody has. As these sages in the Gemara, they exchanged their, their, their Purim meals, and this way they did the Mishleach Monas. So we see that it's got to do with making sure there's, we want to encourage the distribution of food between one another to make sure everybody has a meal of Purim. Similarly, it seems in, some, in, in, in many places that's in order that the, also the poor people should be able to have money with which to make a Sudas Purim. So according to these opinions, that the mitzvah of Sudas Purim is why we do these gifts of food and gifts of money. Of course, you're also doing tzedakah and you're also doing after but that's a derivative. So, if that's the purpose is to do the, the su'udah, so you don't really have that emphasis. In other words, if it's not, if it's not starting from tzedakah and an upgrade to tzedakah, doing more than necessary, if it's not starting from Avisol and an upgrade to Avisol, rather it's starting from the mitzvah of su'udah, so you don't have this concept that, of bringing out, doing more, which is the theme of confirming what they had already accepted, doing it willingly. Dalit. So, if we'll understand, first of all, that also the Rambam is mashma, the mitzvah matanas of Yenim is not just for tzedakah. Also, Mishleach is not just tzedakah. We're going to point out that according to the Rambam, this is the language of the Rambam, it seems to have to do with, with, with the joy in the Suda. The Rambam says better for a person to give more gifts to the poor than to spend more on his own feast and giving gifts of food to his friends. In other words, the three things gifts to the poor, food for himself for his feast, and gifts of food to his friends. The poor come first. Because there's no greater joy, no more beautiful joy, splendid joy, than the joy of making the hearts of the poor and the orphans and the widows and the converts happy. Because somebody who makes happy the heart of those who are unfortunates, 
is like the Shechina. Well, these people, these are these people is in an unfortunate situation. God forbid somebody lost a parent, somebody lost a, 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 a wife, a husband, convert, doesn't have the whole family base that usually provides joy. These people are in a state of loneliness and in a state of need and a state of uh, unfortunateness. Make them happy. You're like, you're mamish like uh, Hashem. As it says, that Hashem enlivens the spirit of the downtrodden and enlivens and brings vitality to the heart of those who are oppressed. So you want to be like Hashem? Focus on those who are in need of uplifting. Now, if the Rambam holds that the whole purpose of the mitzvah is tzedakah, and that's why giving gifts to the poor is like, you're like Hashem. And this would really be something that's within tzedakah all year round. So why doesn't he speak about this, about the, what, how great it is to make, gladden the hearts of the poor, and you're like the Shechina, you're like Hashem's holy presence himself. Why doesn't he put it in the laws of tzedakah, which is in the laws of Matna Sanim, laws of gifts to the poor? He speaks about the greatness of tzedakah. There's a lot of details there about tzedakah. Why, why doesn't he say this detail that you're like, by, by gladdening the heart, of, the heart of the downtrodden, you're being like the Shechina? Why does he put it here in the laws of Megillah? On the other hand, there in the laws of tzedakah, there's a lot of other things that are spoken about tzedakah. For example, that the Bnei Yisrael will go to the redemption through tzedakah. So why doesn't he bring that also by Megillah? If Matanus of Yenim tzedakah, lay it on, give us more details about tzedakah here also. So we have to say that according to Rambam, even though with Matanus of Yenim, yes, you are also doing tzedakah. Uh, just by the way, Alpi Halacha, you're supposed to give tzedakah, it's not one of the previous artists. You can't give the gifts to the poor from your regular obligations of tzedakah. We know there's an obligation to give 10%. You can't, okay, so you separated your 10% from your salary. You can't go and give from that money to Matanus Labyrinth. The gifts to the poor it has to be separate. It has to be from your own money. It's additional to tzedakah. So, yes, but, but no question, that also does become tzedakah. The Rambam is saying that's not the point of Matanus <coughs> That's not what it's all about. That's not where it starts. This is about creating joy for them. Not just fulfilling their needs, but actually creating joy for them also. Um, and for this reason, square brackets, we'll understand why the Rambam says that in this joy, Matanis of Yenim, he doesn't just say poor. He says orphans and widows and converts. Now, who says that they're poor? Maybe they're very wealthy. But they are considered, I mean, if they're poor, so they're part of the poor. You don't have to say them as a separate category. And if they're not poor, so they don't need tzedakah. Why are they in there? As matonis of Yenna giving uh, matonis to the needy. Ah, according to this that we're saying, that Rambam is of the opinion that this has to do really with the concept of gladdening people. So understand, the mitzvah matonis of Yenim is to bring joy to the heart. So that could be to all those who are unfortunate, they need joy. And in Alderech HaTzachas, to say in a, uh, to say in a, in a, to explain it in a, in a smoother way, In the, in the detail of Simcha, they all are, they're, they're all considered anim, needy. Nitzrachim. They're all considered poor and needy. What, what is poor? Usually we talk about poor, they don't have uh, commodities, they don't have wherewithal, they don't have financial wherewithal. However, neediness can be many things. These people, can you imagine that they're on, on Purim and they don't have it's either it's orphans or widows or, or convicts. They don't have the usual, um, you know, support that, that would bring them to simcha. So you have to make them glad. 
That's what Matanas Avienim is about. Moreover, from the Lashna Rambam, we understand that these three concepts, his meal, and the gifts to friends, and the gifts to the poor, all have one content. That is, joy. However, why do we choose, why does Rambam say, put emphasis on giving gifts to the poor? Because since the, in, when we talk about joy, there's no greater joy than making the hearts of the poor happy. So better, the whole concept of the three mitzvahs is joy, better to put your emphasis on the greatest form of joy possible, which is the gifts to the poor. So now we have to understand, when we talk about the suda, so we understand that the concept is simcha. How does the Rambam know that Mishleach Manis Amatan Sevyanim is also all about Simcha? Also, square brackets, we have to understand why Taka, those who make the unfortunate happy, why do we say that they are comparable to, to Hashem's presence, to the Shekhinah? Why do we say Dafka about Matanas Sevyanim? I mean, shouldn't it be by every Tzedakah? Why do we bring it down Dafka here about Matanas Sevyanim? And we understand it's the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that Hashem brings vitality to the heart of the downtrodden and depressed, to the heart of the needy and whatever it is. So that would be all tzedakah. Why do we dafka? Why does Rambam bring it dafka about matana sevyanim? Ches. Oh, hey, sorry. When we talk about mishleach manes, we can say that the Rambam's, where does the Rambam get his reasoning from? Is because saying that really the purpose of matana of mishleach manes is to make sure that the other person has what he needs for the suda of Purim. Now we know that the suda of Purim, your own suda is about having joy. So the Rambam is saying that besides the obligation you have for your own suda, you also have to make sure your friends have a suda. That's why you have to give to at least one other person two gifts of food. And if you don't have, if you're going to give away to somebody else, you're not going to have a suda, so just switch with that other person. Okay, so we can understand that the suda has to do with mishta v'simcha, has to do with joy, so mishleach manis is an offshoot of that. Make sure that the other person also has that joy. Similarly, matanas of we could say that that's considered with that's connected to the simcha he has on him, uh, make sure that the other person also has money, the, the, um, make sure that he also has, except um, when we talk about giving gifts of food, that ever points out in Ha'ara 35, that's even people that are wealthy. You don't have to need somebody who's, a, who's the gifts of food you send to friends, there's even people that have money, but you want to make sure they have food to eat for the thing. So you send them cooked food, things that they can use right away. The gifts for the poor is for people that don't have. So then you send them, um, that, that needs to be people that are needy in order to fulfill the mitzvah of Matan Sevyeh. But Ilam what we're saying is that this is connected with his obligation of having Sudas Purim. There's, an, there's a collective obligation of Sudas Purim. I have it on me and I have to make sure that others, at least one other or two other poor people have help for that, for that mitzvah. As Ramam already says about the Simcha of Yom Tov, that if you only think about yourself in Simcha, it's not really a Simcha. If somebody... He says about Yom Tov in general. You eat, you have to make sure to give the converts and the orphans and the widows and all other unfortunates and poor people. Somebody who locks up the doors of his home and he eats and drinks himself and his children and doesn't give um, for the poor people and to those who are in need, those who are, you know, have, uh, are, are, are bitter, have embittered souls. So if he doesn't help others, he's not doing, the, 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 the joy is not a joy of mitzvah. It's a joy of his stomach. Powerful words. I ain't jump. Look there, exactly what the, how the Rambam describes it. However, it's difficult to learn that matanas levyanim is like this. It's like it's like the same concept as a regular yom tov meal. We're saying make sure that everybody else is part of that thing. Same thing here. We're saying make sure to give gifts to the poor because it's part of your suuda. If you don't, if you don't make sure that others have your suuda, is just your stomach. So it's not 
It's not a proper simcha suk. It's difficult to say this about Matan Zavin. Why? Because the Rambam, the way the Rambam divides his halachas is also very important and meaningful. It's exact. And he, after the law of the Su'uda, where he says, share gifts of food with your friends, he, then he says, you have to give to the poor people a separate halacha. Not, it's not, the law of Mishloi is giving gifts of food to your friend, is part of the same halacha, the same uh, uh, chapter that speaks, the same uh, paragraph that speaks about having your own su'udah. So you could say, okay, the obligation of gifts of food to your friend is part of your own obligation of su'udah. You also have to make sure the other one has you. Exchange meals, whatever. But giving to the poor is a separate halacha. It means it's not just a direct carry-on. Especially, um, he doesn't use the same language that he uses by Yom Tifta. When you eat yourself, it's just your, your stomach enjoying, not a, not a real simcha. If that was what he intended by saying, Matanis of Yen, you have to make sure to give to the poor, that it's about making sure they have food, and it's, it's really just like an extension of your own obligation to have your own simcha. It's just make sure everybody else has. Otherwise, it's not really a simcha. It's your own stomach simcha. He doesn't say that, though. He should have said that by Matanis of Yen. So, from this we understand that something else. It's not got to do with the, with the obligation of his own suda. There's something else hidden here. More than that, according to this comes out that if we're going to say that it's just all part, details of the way he has to celebrate his own meal, really what's going to say is that um, that this is a, that the meal of Yom Tov, the, the Sudas Purim, the Feast of Purim, is a three-pronged, or, or has, is, is subdivided into three things. And we need to make sure that there's a meal, mine, and to make sure mine is proper, I need to make sure somebody else has even, even colleagues, and then I have to make sure even the poor have. Which would mean if I didn't make sure those other two people, it means my own meal wasn't... That would already mean that it's not four distinct mitzvahs. However, it seems we know that there's three individual mitzvahs. Su'uda, As the Ramam himself, when he speaks about giving the gifts to the poor, he says, better to spend more on the gifts to the poor because there's no greater, more beautiful simcha uh, than to gladden the heart of the poor. In other words... He doesn't say you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of Sud if you didn't do it. He's saying you did the simcha of Purim even if you celebrated yourself. But they want to do it beautifully and greatly, then you have to give to the poor. So we can't just say that this is three individual parts of one mitzvah you have of su'uda and collectively you have to make sure that your friends have and your poor people have. No, there's something else happening here. Vav. We say the explanation about this, all this is as follows. The expression of the Megillah from where we learn about these three mitzvahs, it says mishteh. You have to have a feast. Su'uda, right? Mishlech, one situation, you're sending gifts of food to each other. Matanas of Yenim, gifts to the poor. It says, when it introduces that, it says, these days have to be last. So you say something to make them. Yemei, Mishlech, Simcha, days. The whole day has to be days of feasting and joy. And giving gifts. And Matanas of Yenim. From the fact that it says these are days of joy, we understand that the obligation of joy, of feasting and joy, I'm putting it's not that the Chazal made these obligations and they have to be done on the day of Purim. But rather that Chazal said these are days of joy. The outcome of these being days of joy <coughs> is that it's days of feasting and... An uh, outcome of the fact that there are days of joy and feasting is that we have to do these three things. That's how a day of joy is truly expressed. So for this we understand that all those three obligations of Purim that says the 
they all say, the introduction is, these are days of joy. How do you do the days of joy? Well, feasting, and it comes out from the actual feast and joy. What does that mean? You don't have this in another Yom Yom That the days itself become days of feasting and joy. This is something unique to put in. And that's the connection. This is where the expression of they confirm what they had previously accepted is expressed. The fact that they accepted willingly the Torah now makes it days of joy. How? Because when you don't willingly accept it, when you're forced into accepting it, it's not truly a joyous day. But when you really accept it from your own volition, your own knowledge, your own desire, it becomes, becomes a very special day. And interesting, the Gemara points out in the R42 that the Gemara says, Psachim, everybody agrees that on Shavuos you need to celebrate with your body as well. Because you have to show that you're excited about getting the Torah. Right? And then the Gemara immediately says, everybody also agrees that on Purim you have to show, you have to celebrate physically because it says it's days of joy. In other words, we see a direct correlation that these days of joy is showing how we're excited about Purim. And in a way, the day of Purim, we're really excited. In other words, on Shavuos, there's some aspect we have to show as though we're excited. Although there was so, some, some coercion there. On Purim, the whole day becomes a day where we express it has to be a joyous day because that's the day we fully accept it upon ourselves in a voluntary way, the Torah. And that is expressed in all these three mitzvahs as the Rebbe is going to explain. Zayin. So we can explain that the Indian of Kimu Mashkirufah, they confirm what they had already accepted, is actually expressed first and foremost in the unique way of Simcha that comes on Purim. It's not just regular Simcha, there's a, a, a unique way of Simcha. What is that? But the midst of the Suda that Ramam says, what's the obligation of the Suda that a person should eat and drink wine until he becomes drunk and he falls asleep in his drunkenness? This, the Mepharshim point out, is from what Rava says. The base for this is, Rava says, a person is obligated to uh, drink wine on Purim until he doesn't know the difference between cursed is home and blessed is Mordechai. That's until he goes beyond his cognitive, you know, beyond his usual, uh, you know, beyond his usual uh, staid self, so to speak. Now, the cheyre, drunkenness, is not a, something that's condoned in Torah. Mepharshim point out, and especially about this din, that you have to be very careful. This is, not, this is, this is, this is a very dangerous territory. And the Rambam himself points out about other yomtevs, the other yomtev, he says that drunkenness and, 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 and lightheadedness is not simcha, that's heidelus, that's, that's uh, lightheadedness, it's frivolity, it's not real simcha. So how can he say that the obligation of this meal is to get to the point where you're in a state of drunkenness? So we can understand this according to what we just explained. We're saying that the days of Purim are to achieve is what, what, we're, what is being expressed by the joy of Purim. What creates the real joy of Purim is the fact that the Bnei Yisrael confirmed what they had received. In other words, receiving the Torah. If this is the full confirmation of receiving the Torah, and since the Torah is a, represent, is a revelation of Hashem's will and Chochmah, which is a hidden jewel of Hashem, so a created being that's limited with his own perception and knowledge and his own reality can't receive that kind of a it's kind of like an overload of circuits 
And so that's why when the Torah was given, talk about Matan Torah, it says that by Matan Torah, and every utterance, Hashem said, the Neshama flew out. Similarly, and even more so, if we're talking about the Yidin accepting in the time of Achashverosh, they accepted the Torah upon themselves willingly. So now they have to, accepting the, if, if receiving the Torah means you, you fly out of the box, so to speak, so they also had to be in a state where they cancel out their own rationale and their own perception, and basically to, to be what's called hafshot means to be divested of their physical limitations, like it says in Tur, and in Shukhanarach, and Al-Tareb Shukhanarach, that the way that the early Hasidim, talking about the Hasidim in the times of the Mishnah and so on, and men of great virtue, how did they used to daven? Because when you daven, you have to feel as if Hashem's presence is right there. They would uh, 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 practice aloneness and have kavanah in their davening till they would reach a point of being divested of their physicality. And their spirit would be uppermost uh, in them, their, their, their perception and their spirit, they would get close to prophecy. In other words, to truly be in the presence of Hashem and accepting Hashem upon yourself is, 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 is a leaving of the usual, of, of the usual uh, limitations of mind even. So since Ampurim, the Eden came to this through Mesir Nefesh, they came to this through the Mesir Nefesh that they had all year. And here we come to what, the, what I, I mentioned earlier, that um, right, that Alter Rebbe says that they had Mesir Snefesh the entire year because they could have opted out by becoming something else, not staying Yehudim. The, the decree was against Yehudim. Yehudim are those that, that, that deny uh, idolatry. They, if they would have joined another idolatrous group or something, they wouldn't have been part of this. So they had Mesir Snefesh for Hashem. And they came to this high level where now they're, they're beyond rationale. So now we'll understand, Tess, now we'll understand why the main thing of Purim is what's the essence of the day? is that it's a days of feasting and joy. And to what extent? To the extent that you drink wine until you become uh, drunk and fall asleep in the drunkenness. Why? Because the accepting of, where is this, where is this jumping beyond, beyond rationale in, 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 in the physical behavior? What, how does this come to Purim? Because the accepting in the time of Achashverosh of what they had already confirmed, what they had already accepted, right? At Manteda, expresses itself in, in being as they were in Matan Torah. In other words, cancelling out his own perception, his own limitations of knowledge, till he comes to be divested of Gashmias. As we find by prophecy, the Rambam says, that usually people see, uh, um, besides for Moshe Rabbeinu, who prophesies by day, they would see only by night, in a dream or in a vision. Or if it was by day, it was after they fell into a kind of a slumber. And everybody, all the prophets, whenever they prophesize, again, except Moshe Rabbeinu, who was... It, the, the, their bodies would shake and their physical powers would become very weak and their cognitive functions would be confused and mixed up. In other words, they were overtaken by the spirit of Hashem. This, this is a place where you lose your usual you know, uh, uh, behavior, your usual uh, rational self. And that's why we have a mitzvah to, to mimic that, so to speak. The chiv of simcha of joy on the days of, of Mishnah and Simcha is in such an unlimited way until the person falls asleep from his drunkenness. In other words, it gets his, his, his whole usual sense of sanity and semblance of normalcy gets, gets, uh, uh, gets shaken up because he's over, as if he's overtaken by 
Hashem who's saying the Torah, just like by Matan Torah. Interesting that the Rebbe points out in the Hora 58, and we find that before going to receiving the Torah, the Bnei Yisrael went to sleep. As the Rebbe explains in the Sicha about why they went to sleep that night, because they were trying to reach a point where they were ready to receive what's not receivable in, in, in their cognitive state. There the Rebbe says that was a mistake, because they had to, you know, they, uh, they needed to be, Hashem wants to give the Torah here on earth. Anyway, so basically what the Rebbe is saying is that the, the, the point of, the, the whole point of Purim is the, 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 the excitement, the remembering that we're accepting the Torah voluntarily. That makes it a day of Mishnah Simcha. And that's why, first of all, the Simcha is beyond boundaries, because receiving the Torah has to be beyond boundaries. And Yud, and for that reason, says the Rambam, better for a person to give more matanas of Yonim than to increase in his own Suda and then giving the foods to his friend. One second, why? If you're saying it's, it's jumping beyond boundaries, how does, that, how does that fit? Even though all three mitzvahs are all about simcha, making sure everybody has simcha, but there's no greater simcha than making the aniyim and the asemim, the poor and the, 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 the poor and the, and the orphans, happy. When is simcha a complete and wholesome simcha? In other words, till he actually leaves his own limited state of his own existence. And he comes to a state of loyadi beyond his own state of knowledge and perception, which is going to express the acceptance of the tale of Hashem. You know where that's most expressed? Not in, not in his own suda when he drinks wine and, he, uh, and, and falls asleep. I think that's what the Rebbe is saying here. But when you give gifts, the Rebbe is saying that's where you get the most simcha, and that's where you get the most simcha that leaves, that you leave your own dimension. Why? Because when a person is able to commit himself and put himself, vest himself in being misameach, levanim, in gladdening the heart of the poor, if he's able to get more simcha from that than having simcha from his own suda, or even his own buddies, which Mishleach Manis is about, you know, giving, uh, giving gifts to people of your own caliber. You don't have to look for poor people to give. You can give Mishleach Manis to your best friend who's a wealthy guy. But that's all part of like your own level of simcha, if you are able to overcome and truly be joyous more when you give other needy people who are not part of your circle, wow, then you've truly left the boundaries of your own self. When it comes to yamtev, for the simcha of yamtev, you're supposed to be joyous. There's no, there's no obligation to, be, to have joy to leave your own boundaries and your own cognizance, your own, your own limitations you get drunk. There's no such halacha like that. You're not, you, you, you're not supposed to leave your own mitzvahs. On the contrary, the Ramah says it's not a good thing. On Yom Tov, you're drunk, it means you, you, you know, that, that's not appropriate. And as we said before, if, there, if, there, if you don't have any poor people around you, so if you had a, a, a simcha on Yom Tov with your family, there's nothing lacking in your v'samachta b'chagecha. It's only if there are poor people around you, you don't let them in, then, then, then what you're saying is that it's about your stomach, not about simcha. You have to have simcha, you have to bring other people in. You have to make other people that are needy be part of your simcha. That's true simcha. If there's nobody around, you're in a desert island, just you and your family, so there's nothing lacking in your simcha because that you're having a family celebration on Yom Tov. Right? You didn't take away the simcha for the poor people. However, this is, but I'm, but I'm poor and we have to look and try and find simcha in making the heart of others who are not part of my social circle, who are poor, making them happy. And being more happy about making them happy than you might. That's leaving your own usual sane self. Yudalaf. 
And here's the, the, the advantage of the Simcha Purim, that the Simcha Purim has to be layadet, to, to the point of being beyond knowledge, beyond, beyond usual uh, limitations. Higher than his own knowledge, his own limitations, such a Simcha, beautiful Simcha, can only be expressed when you make the heart of the poor happy. And that's what the Rambam adds, that not only do you have to stay, be then in a, in a simcha, in a way of layada, in a way that you're physically, you're drunk and fall asleep from your drunkenness, that in this you're expressing. The physical manifestation of getting the Torah at Sinai was that they were, <laughs> their souls flew out of them. They were beyond their usual uh, uh, balanced selves, so to speak. And there is this concept of putting physically be beyond our usual balance. Be tipsy. However, more than that, if you're putting your focus on the poor people, then you're mamish, similar to the Shekhinah. Because such a thing, to be able to truly feel Simcha, <coughs> to feel that the joy of helping somebody who's needy, who's unfortunate, is, makes me more joyous, is the greatest joy that there is, even more than the joy of my own meal, this is not really fully available, possible by a created being. Because by definition, a created being is a, an entity. It's a metzies, he's his own entity. And by definition, a person is closer to himself than to anybody else. That's a reality. Torah recognizes that reality. And therefore... It has to be really that his own joy is, 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 is more important to him than the other, joy of somebody else. Especially somebody who's not on his social stratus, especially somebody who's poor. Only by the Shekhinah, only by Hashem can there really be the joy of, that others are happy and that becomes, so to speak, more joyous than anything else. And the fact that a Yid can even aim to stand there, and is able to actually stand there in a, such a situation where, the, where he fulfills the halach of helping the poor. And the feeling he has is that he's more happy about that than even his own simcha, is because he resembles the shechina. And through doing this kind of behavior, where Makayim, the Indian, we fulfill the Indian of Yimei Mishta, the simcha, it's days of joy and, and feasting, in their totality. Because then, what gets revealed in his actions is revealed when you act in a way that you're overloaded circuit, so to speak, that you're more vested in somebody else's simcha than even your own, and in this way resemble the shechina, that's leaving, and as the halacha is also, that the simcha expresses itself in, in, in drinking wine and so on, but you've brought yourself into, a, into acting in a way beyond knowledge, beyond limitation, so then we'll be able to have the revelation in, its, in, in, in the full way they further received upon themselves in the day of Achashverish this, the Torah, they accepted, they confirmed, they already accepted, and this will be something that lives in us.